0: Democrats last night won two gubernatorial races in states that voted overwhelmingly for Hillary Clinton last year. Although the mainstream media reporting would have you believe that Scipio Hillary Clintonus just sacked Carthage and sowed the fields with salt, we will analyze the analysis. Then Liz Wheeler, Alicia Krauss and Roaming Millennial will join the panel of deplorables to discuss the first publicly transgender state delegate Danica Rome, Stephen Hawking's suggestion that robots might kill us all, a bodyguard's complaining that Mariah Carey sexually assaulted him as seriously, and how the California NAACP wants to ban the national anthem. I'm Michael Knowles and this is the Michael Knowles show. All right, we have got a lot of election analysis. It's actually not election analysis that I'm going to do. Everyone's going to do that. I'm going to do election analysis analysis. So it's going to be a meta-analysis. But We can't get to that until we we're still reeling from the 100th anniversary of communism and of the October Revolution. So we have to acknowledge a little bit of capitalism. Great capitalism news. Marshall is still going to be here. He still has a job for the next few days because we have a sponsor. We have a great sponsor that you should hear about, which is Policy Genius. I, I actually have a little uh, personal experience with this, and I, I really recommend it. If you don't have a life insurance policy, doesn't matter how young you are, especially if you have kids, get Life insurance. It is not that expensive, especially if you go to Policy Genius. I understand getting life insurance is very complicated. I didn't want to look into it. I hate dealing with paperwork and having sales reps call me and try to scam me out of my money. Policy Genius takes all of that away. It, it's like TurboTax for life insurance. So, you know, if you're adult, you need it. It's so easy to put off. It's confusing. It takes forever. Uh, you, you have to speak to an agent usually just to get a quote. I hate talking to people. I do, but the, the, you hear maybe once or twice a show I'll talk to Marshall. That is the only time I speak to him. And that is the only time I speak to anybody here. It's Otherwise, painful. I. Uh, that's enough out of you, sir. Otherwise, I'm just sitting in the Ben Shapiro Show broom closet. Policy genius, you don't have to talk to someone if you don't want to. Obviously, they have a ton of representatives available who, if you want to get a little explanation, they will lay it out to you in plain English. But if you just want to browse, you can browse, you can lurk, you can figure out your own policy. It lets you compare life insurance from top providers online, takes as little as five minutes. Let's say you're a busy man like I am, then you can just uh, do one minute for every five days, or you can do 30 seconds for every 10 days. If you find a policy that you like and you wanna know more, you can talk to one of their licensed experts, but if you're just browsing, don't talk to anyone, just browse. Uh, They don't just do life insurance, you can do a lot of other stuff there, Um, disability insurance, renter's insurance, pet insurance, and you can compare health insurance as well. So if you need life insurance but you've been putting it off, don't put it off, seriously. It can really affect people's lives, the lives of your family and your friends. So if you've been putting it off, try Policy Genius. Uh, You can compare life insurance online on your own terms, in your own time, policygenius.com because you should only be forced to speak to an agent if you have committed a federal crime. Go to policygenius.com and give them a little love because they're helping keep the lights on. So go over there. Alright, that's enough about capitalism. Now we have to get to the, this major loss for capitalism because Democrats won last night. Now, look, I'm probably a little older than you folks. I am old enough to remember a few months ago when John Ossoff was the great Democrat hope. He was running in Georgia's 6th. Democrats put $24 million into this race. This was going to be the Trump referendum. They couldn't wait. That's how every mainstream news article was billing it up in the weeks leading up to this. And then he lost. And then the Republican won, and he lost, sad. This was the mainstream media coverage the next day. Democrats were so excited about this. $24 million in. Here's our stake. Here's our anti-Trump stake. Here were the headlines. Quote, lessons for Democrats from the Georgia election. Okay. Did Georgia congressional candidate John Ossoff really get roasted by his opponent? Depends how you cut the video. Quote, John Ossoff lost, but so what? It's all about the long game, Democrats. Oh, okay, that's nice. Republicans avoid big loss by forcing runoff in Georgia House race. They avoided a big loss, you know, by winning. That's how you That's how you avoid a big loss. All of those headlines, by the way, were just the Washington Post. Those are all just from one, d- democracy dies in darkness, everybody. That, that's just the Washington Post. Everyone else was equally uh, downplaying this major loss for Democrats and then, last night, Ed Gillespie, a Republican candidate, lost in Virginia. he It's a blue state. We all thought he was going to lose. The polls showed that he was going to lose. Guess what happened? He lost. These are the headlines. Washington Post... Anti-Trump backlash fuels a Democratic sweep in Virginia and elections across the country. NPR, in backlash to Trump, Democrat Ralph Northam wins Virginia governor's race. That's a a backlash. That's how how, uh, an uh, anti-Trump candidate won a state that voted for Hillary Clinton that is a blue state. CNN, Donald Trump was the big loser in Virginia. MSNBC, after election backlash, Trump's GOP is lost without a map. Only Newsweek, actually surprising. Only Newsweek offered a different view, running the headline, quote, did Trump really, really win the election? So I thought oh, that's kind of interesting. Newsweek is the only one that's giving a nuanced... No, they were talking about the election last year. They weren't sure if Trump won the election last year. They were so they were so blinded by their shock and misery that Donald Trump lost exactly one year ago today that uh, that that was their headline today. Now, obviously, these guys are really good at getting talking points. They must... Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's only the Russians who hacked the DNC server. Obviously, it is going out to every mainstream outlet in the country that this is supposed to be evidence of the great backlash. Uh, there's no evidence of that. Virginia's a blue state. It's been getting bluer for a long time. Uh, It obviously voted for Hillary Clinton. If you're you're corrupt and Democratic and blue enough to vote for Hillary Clinton, probably a lost cause. And, you know, Gillespie's a fine candidate. He's run before. He's lost before. I feel bad for the guy. He was a good uh, chairman of the RNC. But, uh, you know, it's a loss. There's a loss. No getting around it. As Chris Donovan from ABC News points out, though, Trump is the fifth president in a row to have his party lose both the New Jersey and Virginia governor houses in his first year in office. Five in a row in both states. That's what we saw last night. Obviously, there was never a chance the Republican was going to win in New Jersey. That was uh, that was a fait accompli. Uh, it's, it's also worth noting that in Virginia, Gillespie's Democrat opponent, Northam, had a vote advantage of about 260,000 votes. So a lot of people have been... Like, you know, when you read about natural evolution, Darwinian evolution, and all the little swamp creatures crawling out of the water onto land, that's basically what's been happening in Washington, D.C. to northern Virginia. So, uh, alas, alas, too bad for Ed. Um, Amazing to look at the... Difference in coverage, though, because that that was the big winner last night. The big winner last night wasn't Northam, wasn't the Democrat in New Jersey, wasn't even the state house delegates in Virginia. The big winner was the mainstream media narrative. What a night for them! For the first time in now over a year, they've had their narrative justified for an evening. Congratulations, good for you. Uh, Virginia, by the way, also elected one of the first. Publicly transgender candidates in the country, Democrat Danica Roam, Danica Rome is a man who has transitioned to look like a woman over Republican Bob Marshall, very socially conservative candidate who had put forward a bathroom bill. The bathroom bill, you know, those awful, terrible, bigoted laws that say that men should use the men's room and women should use the women's room. Uh, here, here is a clip of that candidate, Danica Rome. We made history tonight. We, people in Prince William County and Masses Park made history tonight. Because we'll now have a trans woman who can finally fix Route 28. I spent nine years, two months, and two weeks as the lead reporter of the Gainesville Times covering my home community. It is about time that the administration in particular and other people start trash-talking reporters and start respecting the craft. Because local journalism is community service. It is public service. And the people of the 13th District just voted to elect and send a reporter down to Richmond. I'll always be a reporter before I'm a politician. On the trans part there, yeah, I am a transgender woman. We won because I am a transgender woman, because I am a reporter, because I am a lifelong resident of Manassas, because of my inherent identifiers, not despite them, I never ran away from them, I championed them. And because of that, yeah, Prince William County is is now more inclusive than it was before this election. There it is. I'm actually really shocked. It's really a sad loss. In the culture war, obviously, that the voters of Virginia would consider electing a journalist to any office really upsetting. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, any anybody who's worked in uh, in news like that is uh, just by definition disqualified from holding any office in government. Uh, it is a little strange, obviously, that uh, if, if for those who can't see the clip there. It Obviously, this person is a man who dresses like a woman and has long hair. We had Blair White, friend of the show, came on a few weeks ago and said uh, gender dysphoria is clearly a mental illness. It's a, uh, a psychological affliction. Although mental illness is probably a prerequisite for holding political office anyway, so does, that doesn't bother me too much. But all of this to say... It doesn't seem to me a shock that a state that elected a man who looks like a woman uh, basically on the platform of looking like a woman uh, would, would not vote for George W. Bush's Republican National Committee chairman, Ed Gillespie. <laughs> this is not, you know, uh, earth shattering stuff here. Um, there, there is also another point to consider, which is that Democrats are less popular, according to a recent poll, than they have been in 25 years, than they've been in a quarter of a century. I'm a little torn on this. CNN just uh, did this poll, and they found out that Democrat approval ratings are down to about 30 percent, the lowest in a quarter of a century. But if CNN is reporting it, then doesn't it mean that that is fake news and Democrats are very popular? I don't know. I, I'm caught in a real paradox here. Um, according to this poll, 37 percent of Americans hold a favorable view of Democrats. This is down from 45 percent in March, a precipitous drop. Uh, it's down from 62% the day that Barack Obama was elected the first time doesn't seem to me a, a, a random chance or a random coincidence that the high point of democratic popularity was the day Barack Obama was elected it's been sliding down steadily ever since republicans are also unpopular now they're about 30 or 31% but the thing to point out here is over that same period republicans have never been higher than 48% approval and yet they've won massive victories in elections across the country so i it, it's One has to wonder what that says about public approval ratings, according to these opinion polls, for Democrats versus what they say about Republicans. Republicans have been able to win major victories during this point. Democrats, not so much. We'll see if this election in Virginia and New Jersey has any anything to say about the upcoming elections. For that, we'll have to bring on our panel for analysis. We have, for the first time, very lucky to have from OAN Liz Wheeler. We have from the YouTubes our favorite, our you know she's been with us since the beginning. Roaming Millennial, and The Daily Wire's very own Alicia Krauss. Ladies, thank you for being here. Liz, was last night a referendum on Donald Trump?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think by any stretch it was a good thing for Donald Trump. It wasn't a win for him, but it wasn't a win for the American people either. We elected these radical leftist candidates. They're left on abortion, they're left on taxes, they're left on foreign policy, they're left on immigration. It's not a win, but I think we make a mistake with all these hot takes, and anybody on Twitter certainly saw a bunch of those last night. We make a mistake generalizing the results of these elections and assuming that they mean something for what's going to come next year. They don't necessarily. You talked about that fact that five, the five last presidents of the United States have lost both the New Jersey governorship and the Virginia governorship. This is not uh, as unprecedented as Democrats would have you believe
0: and they also always lose uh, seats they lose seats in their midterms right they this is just a a matter of course um the question is how bad will it be i guess uh roaming who is happier about the loss last night president trump's critics on the left or president trump's critics on the right
2: oh i think the president trump's critics on the left for sure i mean i think they're both happy but what I've noticed is that the mainstream media and, you know, leftist pundits, they're trying to compare this to the, quote, shellacking that Obama received with the whole Tea Party elections during the uh, the midterms. And it's just it's just not comparable. This was an off-year election. And, you know, like you said, people are toting it as this, like, th- this turnaround. We're going to see, like, you know, the, the resistance is coming. Uh, no, this, this this isn't, I don't think, representative of, you know, huge changes in voter attitudes. I mean, Trump's only been in office for, what is it? 10 11 months now even though it feels like so so much longer i think if we actually <laughs> want to get an accurate pulse of the way the public is you know receiving the trump presidency we're going to have to wait until next year i mean this wasn't great for the Republican Party, but it wasn't this huge loss either.
0: I just feel bad for Ed Gillespie. I really like the guy. Met him a couple times at events, and he's just this old school Republican. He's very nice. He's not intimidating. He's not loud or yelling. That's maybe that's why he lost. Maybe he should have been a little angry. Not
2: enough edge.
0: Not enough edge. edge. You need more kofefe. You gotta turn that kofefe exactly. up to eleven. Now, President Trump, speaking of the father of our country, who appears to have been president for <laughs> centuries at now, he uh, tweeted out last night. He said, "Quote: Ed Gillespie worked." Hard, but did not embrace me or what I stand for. Don't forget, Republicans won four out of four House seats, and with the economy doing record numbers, we will continue to win, even bigger than before. <laughs> uh, Alicia... Is Trump throwing his own guys under the bus here?
3: Um, What happened to loyalty, huh? Yes, he is. And if he was so right, then how come his candidate didn't win in that special election down south? I mean, hate to break it to him, but just because he endorses somebody doesn't mean that they're going to win. Or just because someone hugs close to him doesn't mean that they're going to win either. Uh, I think that New York and New Jersey races do not surprise me at all. it, It looks like in Virginia I'm kind of a geek when it comes to the numbers, when it comes to campaigns and the turnout. And the type of people that turned out to vote and how often those people vote. And you're seeing that the GOP did not do a good job. I think that they were counting on people, rural Republicans specifically, to get out and vote for Gillespie, and it just did not happen.
0: Well, in light of that race in Alabama, when it was Trump endorsed the more establishment guy, Luther Strange, and Bannon and some of the Trump base were supporting Roy Moore, Mm -hmm. who stood firm on the Ten Commandments statue at the Alabama courthouse and all of that. Is this evidence that the, you know, the trumpier candidate there won, even though Trump hadn't endorsed him? Is there a trumpism without Donald Trump? Is there a a base movement that he really ought to get behind that doesn't doesn't only follow him?
3: I don't know that there's a Trumpism without Hillary Clinton. And I think that Virginia is a really good <laughs> example point. of this. I think that, and I've been saying this for over a year. You have to look at the nitty-gritty of the numbers. You have to look at the individuality of every candidate, every precinct, and every campaign. And in Virginia, I'm, I'm a fan of Ed Gillespie, too. I think one-on-one he's a great guy, but he really isn't a good, charismatic statewide candidate. Yeah. And in addition to that, um, you had some really tough attack ads, some horrific attack ads that we've seen that the Democrats are, are apparently, apparently going to continue to double down on. And those worked in the northern areas of Virginia where it's really all D.C. beltway workers that live across the river and then vote Democrat.
0: I know, and I think love Trump's hate. I actually never understood how they, the left, uses that slogan as an anti-Trump thing. It would seem to me that's a pro-Trump statement, where I love Trump's hate, uh, but unfortunately, didn't Trump hate last night with those ridiculous ads, conservatives mowing down little brown children in trucks? Not what we saw in New York City a couple weeks ago. How about this transgender candidate? Liz, is there is it a little strange here? Gender dysphoria is obviously a psychological affliction. Uh, is it uh, is is mental illness just an occupational hazard of politics? What should be our takeaway from this election?
1: Well, I, I think the takeaway with this transgender candidate is, first of all, I don't care how someone identifies at all you can identify as a multi gender unicorn cat if you want if you want to scale back the role of government in our country then i will support you but that right there is the difference between the republican party and the democratic party republicans want to elect people based off of the principles and the policies that they stand for democrats want want us to vote for people right exactly democrats want us to vote for people on their identity. Furthermore, this is funny to me, actually, that women's groups, especially on Twitter, I think Planned Parenthood and NAROL, some of the other liberal feminist groups are actually celebrating this as a victory for women. And they can't (laughs) even, it's not even a real woman here. This is a man who feels like a woman, who is dressing like a woman, and somehow that is supposed to be a victory for women.
0: How dare you? I can't believe we would allow such a bigotry show. Now I have this Twain song
1: in my head, which is never a bad thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Roaming, what is uh, the, what what is the takeaway here in terms of the culture right now people seem to suggest the left is suggesting that transgenderism is the new civil rights frontier you know uh, black people were excluded from many political institutions then they were allowed in and that was a great victory women were excluded that's a great victory but it, it is mainstreaming this sort of delusion, mainstreaming uh, illusory feelings about what one is uh, physically or metaphysically. Is that the next civil rights frontier?
2: I mean, it, this is a hard issue to talk about because on the one hand I'm very sympathetic to people who suffer from gender dysphoria. I can't imagine what that must be like. That's, you know, it's, it's a terrible terrible mental issue and I, I really really think that, you know, people who are afflicted with that uh, they deserve our compassion. Because Plus that's we're a all hard pals with through. Blair White. Right, and but at the same time, I feel like people, especially on the left, the progressive group, they're trying to normalize this. You know, paint this as just perhaps even like as you know something like oh, a, another sexual orientation, no big deal, very common, and it's not. And what I'm what I'm really worried uh, about this is how you know the uh, I think her is it pronounced Rome? I'm not really even sure. Um, you know, I don't have any roaming problems,
0: roaming millennials. So. <laughs> I think I don't know. You yeah. would know better. Than I would.
2: Um, But yeah, so you know, with her, I don't have an issue with her being transgender. I mean, if you know she has good policy suggestions and you know she's committed to serving her constituency, but when you spoiler alert, she doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just that clip right there. I mean, she made it all about identity politics. She said that, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a trans woman and a journalist, and I won because of that and all of that. And I think that's really the wrong message to be sending to people that you know not only is transgenderism something that we should be tolerant of and accepting toward in society, but we should actually be actively voting for people because they are trans. I mean, that that doesn't seem like a healthy stance to take toward any mental issue, not just transgenders. I mean, I mean like I won because I have clinical depression. That that doesn't sound right, and it, it's the same thing for transgenderism. I'm not sure why we're glamorizing it.
0: Plus, whatever you think about transgenderism, obviously we should never support sending journalists to our elected <laughs> institutions. Right,
2: and then, I'm actually so. upset with you because you stole my journalism joke about. <laughs> I I Beach it to it. Be the edge queen nope, and, sad. Yeah.
0: To quote a great man, sad. Okay, we listen, guys. I know this. This might be the most coiffé panel I have had on in months. <laughs> I know you want to see more. We have a lot more to talk about. We have to talk about Mariah Carey sexually assaulting people or something and Stephen Hawking predicting the end of the world and that racist national anthem of ours but if you don't subscribe, then you can't see any of it. Sorry, Buster. Thank you to everyone who does subscribe. We appreciate it. helps keep the lights on, keeps Kofefe in our cup. Uh, if you don't, go to dailywire.com. And uh, and by the way, the reason you're going to want to subscribe right now is The Conversation is coming up. Be sure to tune in to our next episode of The Conversation. It's Tuesday, November 14th, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. And it's featuring little old me, yours truly. The conversation- And hosted by... That's right, it's hosted by Alicia. You, you've done a couple of these. They've been pretty fun, right?
3: Yeah, it'll be lots of fun. And our promo that we taped was also lots of fun, especially <laughs> Yeah, and the l- we got through
0: like take 37, we finally were able to get it.
3: <laughs> Mainly because of you. I mean, I'm always professional. I
0: know, I'm, I, try, I pride myself on never being professional. Uh, the conversation will stream live on the Daily Wire website, Facebook page, and YouTube channel. It will be free for everyone, we are so charitable. But only subscribers can ask the questions. Subscribe today to ask me all of the most important questions and join the conversation. DailyWire.com, you get me, you get the Andrew Claven Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show. Forget all that, who cares? Conversation, ask questions. No one really wants the answers. I'm just gonna stare blankly for 90 minutes anyway, but you get the Leftist Tears Tumbler. There it is, baby. This is a fine vessel. I was hoping it would overflow a little bit more after the Gillespie race last night, but don't worry, there's plenty more to come. And uh, you, so you go over there right now. DailyWire.com, we'll be right back. Stephen Hawking, he is, you remember Stephen Hawking, he is predicting, quote, AI, artificial intelligence, could be the worst event in the history of our civilization. You know, some say the world will end in wired, some say in vice. From all the gadgets I've acquired, I hold with those who favor wired. But if the droids are fair and nice, I think I've seen enough decay to know that for debasement, vice is a-okay and will suffice. Roaming, should we fear our robot overlords? Are we just luddites, afraid of change and progress?
2: I mean, I think we should absolutely fear our robot overlords. If you look at any attempts at AI, um, the uh, the Google team and they've they've had a uh, something that in the works for a while. They've actually released um, transcripts of the conversations they've had with these with this AI, and it's absolutely terrifying. What it presents is like a, a nihilist view, and um, I guess very uh, very condescending view of humanity. Um. Different AIs have also referred to putting people into people zoos. Um, I mean, if if we're creating something that's logical, fact-based, I don't see why it would have any reason to not go completely Skynet on all of us. (laughs) And I mean, if you talk to people like Elon Musk, he kind of seems to share the same views. So I'm not really sure why he's at the forefront of it all. But yeah, I mean, I think it's completely reasonable to be skeptical of AI. And frankly, I'm not sure why so many people are... Launching such a big push for it, and it is
0: true. When you read those conversations, they are terrifyingly nihilistic, are. which makes perfect sense, right? Because it's a you've created a contraption that has a version of intelligence, but not consciousness, not a soul, not a relationship to God. So you know, I'd, I'd probably have a pretty bleak view of uh, we sophisticated apes running around. Also, live. But I mean, it's
2: kind of it's kind of interesting. If you whenever I talk to atheists, they often bring up why would God create something that He knew was so awful. That that wouldn't obey him. That would kind of just go against his his desires. And I mean, aren't we doing the exact same thing with AI at this point?
0: Mm. Plus, also, freedom is a good per se. You know, so whereas a conscious being can have will, Mm -hmm. and uh, a loving God might give us freedom per se, we're just all making sex robots. You know, because that's really what (laughs) civilization—it's going to be over anyway once we get the sex robots. So, well, well, I guess if they're going to shoot us too, so bad. Uh, Liz, why the, the tech guys are all afraid of AI. Um, as, as roaming points out, Elon Musk and all the rest of them, is it because they have an exalted view of technology or a debased view of humanity or both?
1: Both. I'm not, I'm not afraid of artificial intelligence or robots. I'm afraid of the people who are in charge of them, the people who are programming them. I mean, taking this Stephen Hawking thing, for example, this is the man who can't, who wants to give us citizenship. He wants to make these things people. At the same time, he can't even define an unborn baby as a human being here. He's telling us that we're on the brink of losing the earth to climate change and global warming, but he comes at that without a scientific fact. These are the people to fear here, not the actual machines, the robots themselves, because that's what they are. They're machines, they're robots. We don't want them, we turn them off.
0: It's evidence too that smart people are so often just the dumbest people in the world. You know, <laughs> they're, they're very extremely intelligent, but they miss essential facts about the world. Uh, Alicia, would it be possible to stop the advancement of artificial intelligence uh, even, even if we wanted to?
3: Not without the Avengers. I mean, I saw Age of Ultron. I don't know about everybody <laughs> else, but I, I don't know. I'm definitely Team Elon here, and I'm not Team Elon on too much because I don't like Teslas or how they take my uh, taxpayer-funded money to you know stay in the black. But That's you know, he and Mark Zuckerberg got into that. this a little bit ago, and and I am Team Elon. That I, be careful of the robot overlords. And I agree with Liz. I don't really trust the robots themselves or the people that made them and their ability to shut them down. But I mean, let's be honest. Google and every and Apple and everybody already knows what's happening
2: anyway because
3: of our watches that we wear and our iPhones that we keep with us at all
0: times. That's
3: true. Even
2: Roombas—they discovered even Roombas are keeping track of your uh, your housing plans. So just can't trust anything. Not even <laughs> the beloved Roomba.
0: Oh, that's that's no good. And and when that's the sex robot becomes the Roomba, then then we're really Not lost. Well. They're gonna have a lot of information. I cut you off, Liz. <laughs>
1: No, I just said that's heartbreaking, and I thought Roombas were just toys for cats.
0: Yeah, that nothing uh,
2: is sacred anymore.
0: I, I am nothing. glad to hear Alicia too that you're you're not on Team Elon mostly because that I don't care how much they try to make environmentally friendly cars seem cool. They aren't cool. The only cool hybrid is a Lamborghini that burns gasoline and motor oil. That is a cool hybrid. <laughs> nothing else is cool. Stop pretending. Okay, let's move on to sexual harassment. Finally, we get a little sex. So there's all this stuff about Kevin Spacey. He sexually harassed some 18 year old in Nantucket or Fire Island or who knows like places that are made for sexual harassment, crazy summer parties and all of this. But those are the serious allegations. Here's a a much more important one. Mariah Carey's former bodyguard is accusing her of sexual harassment. According to page 6, Carey, quote beckoned him to her hotel room where she was dressed in sheer lingerie and then she performed sexual acts with the intent that they be viewed by the bodyguard. I'm almost getting choked up reading this harrowing account of this awful assault and harassment. I can't believe, in 2017 America, people though never believe male victims. Why do we treat male sexual harassment differently than female sexual harassment?
2: Well, I think it's part of our societal instinct to regard men as always being the predators, as always being the aggressors, um, you know, the the ones who are out there looking for sex. And then, you know, us gentle women folk are just the, you know, the, the delicate flowers who can either choose to accept or reject the advances. I think it's very modern of Mariah to, you know, try and bridge that gap in the sexual harassment cases. You know, it's very, very progressive. <laughs> women can do everything they can um, But I think this is kind of representative of the larger problem we're seeing in Hollywood of just abuse of power. You know, people who are in these positions where they're, you know, they're someone's boss, they're in charge of them financially, whatever, kind of um, breaking that trust that exists between a boss and employer, subordinate and their superior. And I mean, if, if it's true that this happened, this is this is really too bad. It's unfortunate. And uh, hope it wasn't too scarring for the bodyguard, because I'm not, I'm not sure when exactly this was alleged to happen, but Mariah now in see-through lingerie. I don't, I don't
0: know. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. I, you know, I guess I'll take the radical position here that I don't think it is possible for a big, strong bodyguard to be sexually harassed by Mariah Carey. I know this is radical <laughs> in 2017, but there is this double standard, you know, and you but always But is, see...
2: is that image not harassing to the eyes?
0: It, it, well, it could okay. be. I haven't seen Mariah in a while. You're right. I'm thinking of like 2002, 2003, but you're right. I mean, 2017, that could be a lot. Um, Alicia there is this double standard Mm -hmm. you know uh, the teacher the cute blonde teacher uh, has sex with a 15 or 16 year old male student and all of the guys say oh where were those teachers when I was in school Uh, uh, but should there be a double standard are male and female views of sexuality different
3: Uh, Male and female views and instincts and just the way that we were, sorry, made by God are definitely different. I think we're triggered by different things. We're turned on by different things. We're turned off by different things. And um, I think that the study of this, the New York Times actually, believe it or not, had an interesting piece about this, that unlike other crimes, uh, sexual predators or men that are accused of rape is very different and cannot be broken down by race, ethnicity, financial background, upbringing, etc. But the two things that are typically known is that when they come to power, they feel more empowered to do things and get mm-hmm. away with it. And when they're surrounded by other people that are guilty of the same thing, and I think that w- that's what we've seen in this Hollywood culture—that it wasn't just Harvey Weinstein; it was other people around him. And if they look at Harvey and said, "Oh, well, he can get away with it. Why can't I?" Then that kind of creates Creates a, a really bad snowball effect of one guy doing it and then another guy doing it and thinking that they can get away with it. And that's what creates more victims and, and more predators.
0: And Mariah Carey. I've never thought of lumping Mariah Carey, Kevin Spacey, and Harvey Weinstein into any bucket, you know, together. But I mean,
3: can we claim harassment for her New York, you know, New York Times Square
1: New Year's <laughs> yeah, Eve I a- appearance? I was
0: certainly triggered, uh, possibly harassed. All right, well, poor Mariah, poor bodyguard. You know, I hope, I hope he recovers from the trauma. Uh, our hearts go out to him. Uh, the California NAACP. The California NAACP is now claiming that the national anthem is racist. According to C-A-N-A-C-P-X-Y-Z-L-M-N-O-P president, Alice Huffman, quote, this song is wrong. It shouldn't have been there. We didn't have it until 1931, so it won't kill us if it goes away. Or it won't kill us if it stays there too, right? By that that logic. Uh, Huffman also claims that Colin Kaepernick's NFL Take a Knee protest that the message was distorted And it became about the flag. Initially, it wasn't about the flag. And then it was distorted beyond recognition to become about the flag. So now, in order to find something to, quote, bring us back together, she is protesting the flag. She's protesting the Star-Spangled Banner. The line in question that they're talking about is from the third stanza that nobody has ever actually sung, but good, fair enough stanza, uh, no refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. Now, Alicia, you know that Americans don't study history ever anymore. (laughs) Um, Before we get to what that means, did this NAACP state president just completely validate Trump's characterization of take a knee? Right. He said it was about the flag. Everyone said it's not Mm -hmm. about the flag. And then she comes back and says it's about the flag is the kaepernick protest a protest of the american flag and therefore the country that it symbolizes
3: well, absolutely and i think it always has been and i think that kaepernick and lots of people that jumped to defend him were trying to be like oh no no no, no. it's not an insult to the military it's about trump or no no no, no, no. it's not about the flag it's about trump but it just goes to show, like you said, they don't study American history and they don't understand the basics or the fundamentals of the flag or what it stands for, mm-hmm. and that it doesn't matter who's in the White House. The eight years of Obama, I didn't like that guy either, but I still, you know, pledged allegiance to the flag and sang the national anthem at every public event or ball game I went to.
0: That's true. Uh, roming you're a well-known multi-ethnic racist. Is the national anthem racist?
2: No, I, I don't think so. and. You know, it's kind of great because Trump will come out and he'll say these like ridiculous things, like, you know, first it's the Confederate monuments, then, you know, was it going to be the White House next? And like, as crazy as those are, (laughs) they prove him right. It's it's, it's the you know, the most uncanny thing. And I think with this, it's real. it really just is hysteria. I mean, if you look at how the anthem is sung right now, there's absolutely nothing racist in it. I mean, a, a stanza that's not included that most like 99% of people I would rate wager don't know about versus, you know, to what the, what the anthem has come to mean to so many people across the country. I, I think it is just ridiculous that they're, that they would even think that this would be a good idea. I mean, like, you can say that if we didn't have it before 1930, like, what's what's the big deal? I mean, we didn't have women's suffrage. You know, we didn't have, like, just because it, it hasn't existed for the entirety of the nation's history, that doesn't mean that it's not important to it anymore. I, I'm not sure what even argument they're trying to make with that.
0: Of course. And the poem, by the way, The Defense of Fort McHenry was written in 1814 about the War of 1812. Mm-hmm. And uh, this point, you know, on this point of the the third stanza uh, people don't uh, don't know what it means and i don't mean that like i know what it means nobody knows what it means because francis scott key who wrote it never told anyone what it means um, what we do know is that the British policy of impressment was a major issue in the War of 1812. So the, what Brits were doing was capturing sailors and then forcing them to fight for them. So plenty of credible historians uh, think that that's what the slaves they are referring to. If they are referring to American slaves, they're not referring to any old regular American slave. They're referring to American slaves who fought for the British. Uh, the reason I'm, I'm impressed by the impressment argument is that the first word is hirelings right so they're referring to the typical british practice of using mercenary troops hessians in the in the revolutionary war hiring out troops from germany and and elsewhere so uh, of course no one Uh, Certainly not this woman, Alice Huffman, but very few people who take issue with that stanza have any idea about any of the history of the the song, the poem, the (laughs) War of 1812, the British Army, none of it, right? Because why read a history book when you can just tweet out a hot take? Liz, where does it end? Does it end, as Roaming suggests, with taking down statues of Washington? You know, if we're going to ban every person, place and thing that falls short of the glory of God, then we're not, we're only going to be left with Jesus. And look what they did to Jesus. The only guy we'll be left with is Jesus. <laughs> look, at they didn't treat him very well. Does this just does say, Trump right?
1: I don't know. I was just going to say, I don't think that we are, uh, that the glory of God is not under attack too. Just look at what happened after the Sutherland Springs shooting. Liberals all yeah. over Twitter, even our elected representatives were attacking prayer. They were attacking Christians who said that we were going to Pray for these people the only thing that our nation can do after a tragedy like this yeah this is not this is not about patriotism i'm going to go back to the point that you made about distinguishing what uh what colin kaepernick's original take a knee protest was about if you ask any one of those players not one in ten would actually know what they're protesting because it morphs it morphs from colin kaepernick's original protest of police brutality, which we know is a false narrative, to being about the flag because America is inherently racist and white supremacist and the patriarchy, mm. and then it morphs again into just hatred of Trump. They're going to latch onto anything they can to take Trump down because that's what they want to do. And if they have to instill anti-Americanism to do it, they're going to create it wherever they can.
0: You know, we've we talked a lot yesterday on the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution of the October Revolution about useful idiots, and we see them galore here, useful idiots, And idiots in part, not because they're unintelligent, but because they're absolutely ignorant and uncurious about the things that they're shrieking and hysterical over. Ladies, I wish I could keep you on the panel all day, and for all the rest of the panels, because instead I'm gonna have to talk to Jacob Ari or somebody. Thank you for being here. We have for the first time, OAN's Liz Wheeler. We have from the YouTube's Rummy Millennial, Daily Wire's Alicia Krause. All right, everybody, that is our entire show today. Get all of your mailbag questions in. I will change your lives tomorrow, so uh, make sure that you uh, uh, send them all in. And uh, by the way, go and subscribe to Another Kingdom. We have over 500, I think, reviews at this point. Um, we I I got one negative review. I have one negative review so far on my performance of Andrew Clavin's new story, Another Kingdom, and it was pretty brutal. I'm almost positive that it was written by my third cousin once removed, Hillary Clinton. That's all I can conclude from it. But uh, please go over there. It's Andrew Clavin's Another Kingdom. You can get it on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Pod Bay, I don't know, all those places that you kids download podcasts. And please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps us out. And uh, then as Hollywood lays in ruins of uh, buildings and studios and bathrobes, we will, as conservatives, be able to build it up with decent art and literature and culture again. So please do that. Tune in tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producer Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jessua Olvera, and our associate producer is Bailey Lynn. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production, copyright Forward Publishing 2017.